Welcome to Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions with hosts Shannon Reynolds of Visionary Creative Concepts and Branding and Jared L. White, the man behind the creative brand Tim K. Unlimited. Together, they are the co-creators of the Not Your Enemy Collections. The Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions are a forum to continue conversations amongst Black artists, creatives, and cultivators. We are excited for you to join our conversation. This is Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions. I'm your boy, Mr. Jared O. White, here with the lovely, gifted, and talented Shannon Reynolds. How are you today? I'm good. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. We made it to another week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have another exciting episode for you guys. Um, we have a lovely author, gifted author, illustrator on the show, Anna Gilchrist. She has just put out a, one of her latest books. You have two books now, right? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love both of them. Oh, you got the book up. I do. <laughs> the title of her latest book is Daffodil Gray and the Colorful Parade. Um, so everyone go get it. Um, but before we dive into your book, Anna, I would love just to hear how has the current social climate and climate impacted you? Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> by so much, obviously, it's just so much that we had to pack, right? Um, but I think for me, it's been an awakening to see what's going on and how I can be a part of it, right? How can I... Um, implement change and how can I encourage people to look at themselves and look at how certain systems, particularly education, because that's where I come from um, and what I'm accustomed to working in and working with children, how we can impact people to um, realize and, and influence them to really consider what we are doing within our education systems that are also um, just counterproductive and essentially um, setting up certain children, particularly Black children, uh, to go into areas and not be successful in life. So, of course, we could talk about um, the school-to-prison pipeline. We could talk about punitive punishment within schools. Uh, We could talk about... um, a variety of different issues that are happening in schools and in educational spaces where students of color, particularly black children are of a disadvantage. And that's where I felt like I could do the, or have the most impact um, when it comes to this, uh, the social climate and the cultural climate that we're dealing with right now. That can be so overwhelming because when you break down the different layers and different areas that work is needed, you know, how do you even pick an area to focus on, especially with dealing with black kids? Like, how do you even do that? I don't, (laughs) to be honest, I don't really pick an area. Um, It's really um, just a matter of what comes to mind, what I feel like I need to focus on at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because like, I'll use an example. Just last night, uh, (laughs) I was thinking about um, child abuse, um, dark subject, but it has to be addressed because it happens way too often Mm. and how that's impacting so many children, especially during the pandemic, uh, being in households where parents are stressed, parents are, you know, unaware or not unaware, um, are 
uncertain about the circumstances of money, of housing, of employment, and that puts stress on the parents, which unfortunately goes and affects the children um, in ways that are quite, can become violent. And that's something that I felt was a huge concern, something that we need to really start discussing a little bit more, that there's many children right now that are most likely not um, experiencing very happy moments right now um, with their parents that may not know how to cope properly um, with these stressors and maybe uh, putting it on their children in physical harmful ways, physical, emotional, um, psychological ways, neglect. Um, so it's it just when whatever comes to me, whenever you know something comes to mind, um, that's when I start writing and focusing on things. So now I'm, I have another book that I want to work on based on those thoughts that um, were coming to mind just last night about that topic. So just an example, um, but it's always just piece by piece because there's so many, like you said, so many levels to talk about, so many things to discuss. Um, and so it's just like work as it comes, <laughs> do what you can as it comes and focus on it for that moment. Right. So let's talk about daffodils. I mean, I have a, I have a three-year-old, so let's talk about and tell me more about this current book, Daffodil Gray and the Colorful Play, because I loved it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so with Daffodil Gray, it's my second book of the series. And um, it's about a little girl that, uh, a little black girl who goes and uh, is, she has a dream of this wonderful celebration and with her cat. And it's a celebration of diversity and love and it's inclusive. And then all of a sudden these two boys come in and try to ruin it because they don't get it and they don't understand why this is a thing. And she shows them that it's beautiful and why, and why it's cool and fun to have friends that are different from you, whether it be by appearance, beliefs, abilities. Um, and that's essentially the story. So uh, with every book that I have, and <clears throat> you may have noticed this, on the back, um, I'm focusing all of my books, not just on diversity and multiculturalism and tolerance, um, but also on the UNCRC, which is the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. Um, it's an international treaty that essentially discusses or uh, mentions what the rights of children are, specifically as humans, and as a vulnerable group, a vulnerable group of humans, as well as the stipulations of world governments um, to protect these rights. And unfortunately, in the United States, we are the only country that has not ratified this document. So uh, this was something that I felt like needed to be addressed, uh, needed to be brought to the attention of all people, but especially Americans, because most Americans don't even know about it, unless you've worked with kids and actually like dug in to learn about uh, children's rights and about children in general and guards of protecting children. Um, so I decided that this would be my way of actually bringing that, you know, to the light, bring awareness to it. And so with this book, Daffodil Gray and the Colorful Parade, it focuses on articles 13 and 15 um, within the UNCRC, which states that children have the freedom or the right to express themselves and uh, to the freedom to associate with other their peers, to organize um, with their peers and um, respectfully. And, um, 
I felt that was important, especially during this time, which ironically enough, I wrote the book before what happened in the summer. So before Black Lives Matter and all these protests that were happening with George Floyd and um, so many, I was writing this book prior to that. So because I mean, granted, all these things were happening anyway beforehand. So I guess that's where the inspiration came. Um, but I released it, I guess, the right time, I guess. But I mean, I only say the right time because I mean, it's a terrible time regardless. But um, it's just, yeah, it just came at a time where it was, I guess, the most, um, the most clear, most likely the message would be heard. Uh, so, but yes, it was something that I felt was necessary to address and bring to light for all people, but definitely children, um, that they have a right to express themselves, to not let people, you know, say, oh, well, you shouldn't think that way because that's just weird or that's strange or whatever their reasons might be. You have a right to express yourself if you feel it's the right thing to do and you should do it. Um, and you should do it with your peers with, without any type of backlash. So yeah, that's how I came up with uh, the second book. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, you know, again, because I'm a mom, I, I'm, I'm looking at it from a different vantage point, but I absolutely, I mean, the illustrations are beautiful. You did a great job with that, but I really just love the story and how it was told. I love that it was told in a, in, in a dream form or a dream sequence. And then you kind of come up and she still goes out and, it, you know, it's playing because I feel like children are so innocent in this world. And we, you know, as a parent, you try to protect them, even though the world is, you can't always do that. Yeah. And they don't see that for the most part. And if they do, it's usually taught. So I thought for me, just looking at it, I don't know, I don't know if that was like the lesson you wanted to, to come away with it, yeah. but I just thought it was a very clever way to kind of talk about a lot of like stuff that we deal with and, and biases and racism and things like that in such a, a childlike way for them to kind of understand. So that's what I took away from it um, as a parent. Um, my son KJ, you know, his attention span is about three minutes. So he was <laughs> like, I love all the colors. You know what I mean? So that's why yeah. the illustrations are great. Yeah. Um, do, what were you looking for children to take away, you know, take away from the book? I, I mean, diversity, inclusion is what I took away, but. Yeah, I included, I think the main message that I think I feel children will get out of this and what I hope they will get out of this, I should say, um, is that it's okay to have friends that are different from you. It's okay to have friends that, you know, don't necessarily represent what you are used to seeing. And, um, and that's totally cool. And not only that, it's fun, like yeah. to have friends that are different from you. you learn so much from having friends that are different. It's kind of boring to be with friends, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. But I mean, just saying like it, it's encouraging children to to have friends that are different, because I think that's one of the problems that we have regarding, you know, racism and because racism is just literally ignorance. Right. And then from that spawns fear. And then from there spawns hate. So I think what starts, where it starts and where it can be eradicated is with children learning that we are all human 
Not saying we're necessarily all the same. We are different and we should embrace those differences. Um, and that way it's not so, you know, daunting or, you know, ew, weird. I don't know how to deal with that. Or it makes you uncomfortable. Of course, right. it's going to make you uncomfortable if you've never done it. Well, if you're a child and you're exposed to other children that do not look like you or do not come from the same religion or come from the same country, speak the same language, you're less likely as an adult to have racist views or you're, you're less likely to have this idea that people, you know, are a certain way um, based on complete misinformation and complete fallacies, you're going to be a little bit more likely to say, hey, I'm going to speak to this person and I don't, you know, care and I notice their differences and I embrace them. Um, and you're, you're going to you're going to know how to approach that person and talk to that person. Right. You know, so I think it's encouraging children to, to not be afraid. And I think most times children aren't, to be honest. Racism right. is taught. Racism yeah. is something that they learn from adults when adults react a certain way or say certain things about certain people because they're different. That's when they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this is wrong. So I want to encourage, you know, parents to be able, one, not to have that not to be afraid to have those conversations with their children. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a way to kind of break it. Children's books are a great way to break open and, and be an icebreaker for those conversations, um, especially during bedtime. And um, also to encourage children to be like, yeah, this is cool. Let's, yeah, I, you know, my friends are all different and it's cool, you know? Uh, so yeah, that, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that you're empowering children to be more than what their parents are instilling in them. I think that's that's such an important part. Um, you know, I, I don't I, I'm not in direct um contact with children on a daily basis, but there's so much life and so much, you know, joy there and potential there to and so empower them to be these open minded young beings. I think that's so important and, and thank you for that because that, that's impactful. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> that, that's that's great. Um where do you find your inspiration to write in general? You know, outside, I'm sure you do a lot of writing outside of the children's book. Like, where do you find that inspiration as a creative? Um, in different places. You know, it's funny. Um, when I was writing my first book, I was actually in the middle of writing my dissertation for my master's. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like clearly not in the space, creative writing space at all. I'm doing all this research. I'm in the library almost 24 hours a day. I'm like <laughs> doing a lot of like research, academic work. And then suddenly this idea just pops in my mind. It's like, hey, you know what? You should do a children's book. And I'm like, no, no, like that's a great idea, but let's just put that aside. I need to focus on this. And this is like how I'm getting my, I need to get this degree. Okay. I need to get focused. And it's like, it just kept popping. It's like, yeah, and she should be a black girl wearing rain boots. Rain boots? Why is she wearing rain boots? Because she lives in Wales, or she's at least from Wales or inspired by Wales. Because Wales is very rainy, and that's where I got my master's. I got my master's in Swansea, um, Wales in the UK. Uh, hey, Swansea. Um, so <laughs> I... Um, I was like, okay, because I was there, you know, working. And so I was inspired by, you know, my surroundings and whatever. It's like, yeah, her name should be Daffodil because that's the flower of whales. And I was like, okay, all right, all right. So, okay, let me just write this down. So I'm just like writing down, but putting it to the side. Um, and then, you know, from there, just kind of like after, you know, I finally finished my dissertation, I was finished my studies. I was like, all right, let me do this. Let me let me write this book because I had some time and that's when I put it all together. So 
all that to say is usually when I get inspiration, I'm doing something else. My brain is weird. It's like, it's, it's when I'm doing something, like I'm in the moment of working on something. I could just be walking. I could be, you know, working, getting groceries. I'm, I'm running, doing something to keep me busy. Suddenly that's when I'll get inspired to write. There'll be something that comes to mind. I'll be like, oh, so I had to carry notebooks with me. I have to, I'm always on my phone putting like notes or something of that nature. I also write songs. So there's oftentimes I have voice notes or I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sing this little bit. Um, but things like that, just like my, my creative brain works better when I'm doing other things. So I have to be busy. I don't know if anyone else's brain works that way, but that's... that is me so cordial. <laughs> I am always on <laughs> Oh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a blessing, but I, I Sometimes yeah. it hurts. It's just a little yeah. frustrating sometimes. It's like, wait, wait, why are you thinking this? And I'm working on this. Yeah. So well, do you uh, well, do you ever suffer from writer's block? Because it seems like the, the thoughts are always flowing through you. Do you ever suffer from like writer's block at any point? Um I don't think I don't think it's necessarily writer's block. I mean, there'll be times when I'm like feeling like, oh, what do I want to write? What do I want to write? But I usually can find inspiration, I guess, because I've been doing it for a while that I know where I can find my inspiration. <clears throat> Sometimes it's just a change in setting. Sometimes I just need to get out. Like, I just be like, okay, you know what? I need to go somewhere. I need to, like, put my laptop somewhere else um, if I can. Obviously, with the pandemic, it's been a little bit more difficult. But sometimes I'll just go and just walk outside and just take a stroll, take a stroll, take a stroll, take a breather. Sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm just going, you know, into another city for a second and just walking around. Um, things like that. So I just, I just find inspiration where I can. Uh, but yeah, I think there's moments when you get a little stuck. That I think that's that happens with every. Um, creative when you're working on some creative project and you're you're trying to get that moment you need that breakthrough it's just not coming you just need to find what's going to kind of wake that inspiration up but yeah it does happen every once in a while um so going back to the book because again it's the mom in me you know I read it with KJ and I read it by myself because you know I wanted to dig in a little bit more like how important, I mean, it's the kind of basis of the whole book. How important was the, like, for you to create or, or draw the diverse images of the story? Because, I mean, it does matter with the story, but you did, the illustrations on this is, like, so bright and colorful and all the different shades and how you describe the shades. So how important was that for you to get right visually? Um, Very important. I think that's why I decided to just go for it and do it myself because I felt like, well, I can draw and I can illustrate. So I'm just going to go ahead um, and just give it a shot. And I did that with my first book and I um, got such great feedback from that. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll do it again. Um, But especially with this book, since it's the colorful uh parade obviously it's like color is important (laughs) so (laughs) I wanted to emphasize that as much as possible and have it be colorful plus having worked with children I know the importance of color and how that stimulates their mind um encourages cognitive development um and that's something that you know uh gets it gets children interested in the book like if it's just a book that's just kind of got a lot of negative space or you know white space it's it's okay but it's not necessarily as stimulating um 
and like I said, it's, the book says colorful parade. So I mean, colors are necessary. It has to be all over the book. And I'm not really a fan of negative space anyway. So um, if there was negative space, I said color. I want a color background for anything that has negative space. I want to make sure that there's plenty of color to, to enlighten and inspire the children while they're reading the book. Are you, are you looking to stay in the children book genre? Or are you looking to go outside of that? Because I would love to read an adult's book from you. <laughs> you can even put some pictures in it, too. I don't mind <laughs> some pictures every now and then. <laughs> no shade. Um, no shade in my game. But is that <laughs> the next one? <laughs> um, yes, actually, I have. Like, uh, when I said I was working on a book uh, focusing on, like, child abuse. So that would be something that I would be... Uh, addressing to you know families educators um, people in educating spaces that work with children to kind of give an idea of what we're dealing with and what we need to really focus on so that would be something that would be focused on uh, or be the audience would be um, what be expected to be adults obviously um also I'm just focusing on a book about play spaces, which is something that we don't really think about. Uh, but the first book that I wrote, The Extraordinary Day of Daffodil Gray, focuses on Article 31, which is the right for children to play. And while I was abroad and getting my master's, one thing that we were focusing on, and the reason I went abroad is because they focus on UNC so much in Wales. It's like in the curriculum, children know their rights, like the back of their hands, they know them. Um, so I wanted to put that in the book um, or the books now that we have a series going. Um, but the right for children to play is something that they focus a lot on and play spaces and how they are impactful with children's social, um, cognitive development, physical development. So it's extremely important, but we take it for granted. And to be blunt, a lot of our play spaces, if you ever look at playgrounds, you'll notice that some playgrounds, you don't have children playing. It's because they're boring. They're not stimulating. They're not um, really encouraging children to play. Uh, a lot of nature is taken out of our play spaces. So um, not a lot of grass, not a lot of you know, trees or whatever. And these things actually help or um, encourage children in ways that we take for granted. So things like that, I'm definitely focusing on because I feel like these are conversations that need to be had. And so that would be another book that I would encourage. And then I'm thinking about going into another genre um, as well. But um, those are the books that I'm like right now focusing on and like these will be for the adults. <laughs> oh, the next genre that you're focusing on. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, it'll be mostly uh -huh. nonfiction. Research. That's the after hour show. That's for the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all the ideas that are floating in your head right now. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but you know the crazy thing is when um I read the book like as a parent you yeah. sometimes forget the things and I think um what you did was kind of you have like eloquent reminders like the first page and the back page you're talking about the importance of you know diversity you know what I mean you have those little nuggets that sometimes parents just need to remember like okay these are just kids you know they need to play they need to have engagement you know what I mean so it's just right. like just where you, we, when you are stressed and then you read that, it's, 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 it's a beautiful reminder, I think, that as a parent, I took away like, okay, let, let KJ be KJ, go play, let's, you know, let's have a fun time. So I think that it's going to be great for you to do it in like in an adult kind of setting where we talk about the more like advanced things of like what parents should be doing for their children or adults should have, you know, safe environments for children. But I, I can tell the difference of KJ not playing. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> he needs yeah. that engagement and activity. So like, like I said, I think this, I haven't read the first one, but I, the second, this color for is just like, it's a very eloquent, um, beautifully kind of written and displayed for both kids and adults. I think for a parent, like it was very much well-received on my part or my part. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so good to hear. Thank you for that feedback. Cause you know, I do wonder how parents take it. Cause obviously they're the ones that are getting the books. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're like, I don't know about like, you know, if you don't, if the parents don't like it, then um, they're like, Ooh, I don't know. But no, it's great to hear feedback from parents and how they receive it as well. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm just curious as a person who isn't a parent how can I get more involved and help out because like I had no idea about the right for children to play and and a lot of these um issues that you're bringing up like how can someone like myself get involved if I'm not directly in you know part of a child's life um I would say to to well that's definitely a good question because it's, it's one of those things that still hasn't been discussed yet and it's not easy to if you're not in those spaces right. but I will say in regards to the book itself you probably would just be best of just leaving a review and mm -hmm. why you thought it was such a great book and mention the UNCRC because people look at the reviews and so you know when they read it they're like oh 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 it's about the what is this and then that will influence them to possibly get the book for their children and also like Shana was referring to as a parent receiving that information as well so um I, that's that's probably my advice for that is just to leave a review and that's for all um authors especially authors of color that are self-published please 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 leave reviews when you get a book a children's book don't forget to leave a review because that's like their lifeblood and that's how they get the word out there whatever their beautiful message is and there's so many so many beautiful books out there um especially by authors of color, especially by black authors that have some beautiful messages for our children. So please support them by leaving a review. Done. That's done. So <laughs> that will lead to the other question of what does like a literary success look like in your eyes? Because it's different for everybody, like how you measure success, but how do you want to see Daffodil? Do you want to be in bookstores across the world? Do you want to be in schools? Do you, you know? Um... Yeah, I definitely, well, since I started my own publishing company, the one thing that I think is my mission is to help other authors to get their messages and, and uh, stories out there because unfortunately right now with our publishing industry, and I think it might change um, because we have some uh, editors and chiefs that are finally you know black that are being hired, but that hadn't happened in, very long time like at all it hadn't happened um but a lot of the books that have black characters um with black stories are half less than half of them are actually written by black authors mm. so and it's it's different for every single group but um like for first nations it's very few books about them uh very few books about uh latinx children um that and that are written by it's it's like half maybe and the numbers fluctuate for each group but for for african american specifically it's less than half um so i feel like it's necessary for uh me as a woman as a, a black woman and as a now newly self-published author that i 
push the message to not only support black authors, but to give them a platform personally where they can tell their stories authentically. Um, because what's been happening in the industry, like you might see a lot of books with black characters, um, but they're like chocolified as it was once told me, told by an author. <laughs> and I was just like, um, you're a white man. You're like, what are you talking about? Chocolifying <laughs> children, wow. children's books. Um, but yeah, whatever. Uh, so yeah, so I had, a, I was like, this is really, this is problematic. Um, yeah. and that's something that I think people need to be aware of that a lot of the stories that are being told with black children on the faces da, 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 are not actually written by black authors. However, wow. there are, there are authors. I'll say there was one book that I came across where there was a white author who, um, has a, a, a I'll even get specific uh the book well no i won't say what the book is but um because i'm actually saying something positive uh this woman she's a white woman and she wrote a book about a black girl and she's adopted black girls so she has she's a mother of black children and therefore she wanted to write a book that would encourage her black children so i'm not talking about that what i'm talking about is authors that you know are just literally putting paint on the child <laughs> in um in these books and that's something we need to we need to change we need to allow black authors <clears throat> excuse me to actually go ahead and tell their stories and make sure that they properly represent these characters with their stories and not just do it for the sake of diversity it's not it's not wow. really solving the problem i did jared i did not know this but that was like the whole, thank you for being so honest because I didn't know that. I mean, I think that Black people, it's a constant trend across the board. So we can't even like, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised, but I understand and totally agree the importance of Black people sharing their like Black experience because no one else can do that right. on the same level. So, right. I, wow. Okay. Well, we're just going to promote that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense now because you're looking at other industries, especially television, um, movies, and, and how they get uh, white writers to tell black stories in certain spaces. And there's not enough black people sitting at these tables and fact checking things and, and telling what's really going on. And I didn't even I didn't even think about children's books. And yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think most people do. Like, you know, they're just looking for a book, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this has a little black child on it. Okay, let's let's get this book. And it's it's a whole like colorblind approach, right? It's like, oh, we're all the same. Like, we we it's like we're all human, yes, but we because of our color, ironically, and because of a history of oppression and marginalization and eugenics and all this BS, um, we had different experiences period so it's not something you could just throw away and if you are not a person of color you're not going to understand that because you don't live in that world and therefore that needs to be respected and that includes with children because children notice these differences at a very early age i mean i don't know about y'all but i went to a predominantly white school um growing up in my my early childhood years and i definitely noticed some things at a very young age so you know it was those things that you know need to be addressed instead of avoiding those topics it needs to be brought up you know and brought to the attention so the child doesn't feel different they're like oh i am different 
but doesn't feel like it's a bad thing or that's weird. It's like, no, I just have this. I have different hair than my friends. I have different, a different skin color and I can embrace it. And it's a part of who I am. And I don't really have to be afraid of it. Um, and my friends don't have to be afraid of it either. You know what I mean? It's, it's just one of those things that needs to be brought to the light and that, yeah, when it comes to children's books, it's the same thing. It needs to be brought to the light. These stories need to be authentic. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, not to like to totally agree with you, but my son was two and we, we, you know, me and my fiance were like, well, we, he needs to go play and engage with other children. And we took him to like, I don't know if it's like a, it's like a gym for kids. It's fun. It's a fun, it's some fun environment, but he's two. And you would think that at that age, again, you're protecting them. They're pure. They're, you know, they don't see color, um, but he was already exposed to that. There was a, a, a white child who just, and his parents were present, so this is taught, but every time he would get in the bounce house or every time he would get in the ball pit, like they would remove. And I'm seeing this and I'm like, okay. And they would remove him to the point where like, after a couple of times from going, the child would just know to remove. And so now you have my son that's confused. And then what do you do? So like, you know, books like this and education of children, it's, it's so important to, to show the experiences. But say, maybe if that white kid had read about diversity and maybe the parents had seen a book like this, maybe they wouldn't be so, um, I'm trying to use really kind words against them, but <laughs> maybe they would be uh, less inclined to do the removal or think something's wrong or, you know, whatever the case may be, because that, you know, they don't matter but it's like at two he's already experienced a case that like you would think that he wouldn't at that age and was aware of it wow yeah that's um, first of all that's unfortunate I'm so sorry that your child had to experience that yeah that um but same time like yeah that just proves my point like kids notice these differences and yeah they're being taught at a very young age how to act around certain people that look like certain people Right. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping this brings a conversation. And to be honest, I don't expect parents that are close-minded, I'm using, I'm not really using the great word there, but that are inclined to show that type of behavior to pick up this book. Chances are they might not. But yeah. those that do and see the, the beauty of this book and what message is, I hope they do. And I hope they spread the word as much as possible so that those parents that are less inclined to get the book will, you know, start to really look at themselves and realize that maybe this is not necessarily the way to behave and uh, a message not necessarily um, uh, uh, helpful towards their children and their right. development. So. I'm curious, Anna, like for a, an instance, like with Shannon and KJ, like how would you talk to KJ? Like that, that sounds like a teachable moment in that. Like what would you, what advice would you give to Shannon or other parents who, whose children may um, find themselves in that type of situation? Like what would you even say to that child? Oh, that's difficult. Um, yeah, but you're right. That's definitely a teachable moment. I think the way I would approach it would be, first of all, I would, I would ask the child if they're okay and ask them how they feel. And if the child is like, I wanna play with them, it's like, oh, sometimes some people 
will play with you and some people won't for different reasons. But that doesn't mean you can't make any friends. You could just make new friends. There's so many other kids here. Let's make some new friends, right? It's like, don't worry about them. You know, it's not, they're, they're, they're not to be worried about because there's so many people you can make friends with. So I might, you know, try to encourage them to uh, play in another area. If not, then I'll play with the child, right? And then sometimes, what that encourages other kids to come and see that this, this boy is having fun in the, in the ball pit and they'll come over and eventually more kids. And then that will, so it's, it's building an environment, right? Just building uh, an environment for the child around that child, wherever they are to make it feel like they're safe and they still can have fun and it's still, you know, a place of warmth. And it might even make the child who's constantly being removed feel like, well, I'm really missing out. This kid is really fun. Like, why are you making me leave this ball pit when he's clearly a fun friend I could be making? So it kind of trying to change the situation and keep it, like Shannon said, keep it positive as much as possible so that the child doesn't feel like, doesn't continue to feel bad, right? right? And continue to feel like there's something wrong with them and that, you know, they're being rejected, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of engagement, just being interactive and playing with your children. I think that's another thing that I think it's really important for parents to remember. Like, don't just throw your kids out and be like, okay, go play, go play. I know you're going to play. Go play, go outside, go play, go play outside. No, play with your kids. First of all, not only is it good for them, it's actually good for you too, because a lot of the stressors we have as adults, adulting is hard, okay? And some of the best stress release is just playing with your kids like just having fun with your children can be some of the best ways to like release some stress and to connect with your children at the same time so when you go to places like when you go to the playground go ahead and play with your kids like I know you probably have them all the time you're like oh good lord I can have yes. some space to myself. <laughs> I get it I get it do I do but also make a moment make it make it a, a part of make it a a part of your plan, I guess, to say, or just make it something that you keep in your mind. It's like, oh, let me go ahead and play with my kids. And if you need to take a break, it's like, oh, mommy's going to take a break or daddy's going to take a break, you know, but go ahead and, you know, and once they make some friends, you know, you can go ahead and be like, okay, I can step away. You know what I mean? And get them their, inter uh, their independence to play with other children. But take that moment, you know, if they're alone, just kind of like go ahead and play with them. It's, it's, and some kids too actually need that because some kids are, um, you know, not as social as other kids. Some are a little bit more introverted, especially if they're only children. They know how to be kind to themselves and play to themselves. So you might need to kind of be there to kind of encourage them to play. And then suddenly when they have a friend, you're kind of like, oh, look, hey, how are you? And, you know, kind of introduce them to this new friend, you know, kind of encourage that social environment. So um, parents are incredibly important in the play space. And I think that's something that we tend to forget, but hopefully we'll start to learn more about that and, you know, take that into consideration. Well, you just gave a beautiful reminder as to why. That's <laughs> why it's important. <laughs> so Anna, where can people find your book? Where can they, they get a copy? Um, so right now you can get it on my website at www.annagilchrist.com. It should also be on Amazon in a few days. Um, so definitely look out for that. Also, um, when you go on my website, you can actually sign up and subscribe for my newsletter. Um, so again, www.annagilchrist.com. Um, sign up for my newsletter. I will 
I send out a monthly newsletter um, to let people know about new releases and where you can get my book, um, links to my site, all of that good stuff. So um, definitely check that out. And you can also see me on my socials at Instagram at Daffy dot and dot friends so daffy and friends with periods in between and then on facebook as well as twitter as daffy and friends no periods at all so see you there <laughs> and make sure everyone writes a review when you get the book write a review that's how we support our black authors make sure you write a review are, are you going to do the announcement now too jared that we are i'll let you do it Okay, so because we love the book so much and we're supporting our, our, our Black creatives, we are going to give away a copy of this lovely book. <laughs> oh my God. Stay tuned for that. Thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. And I wanna, we hope to have you back for your next book or whichever book you come out with. We will definitely want to have you up here because this was such a great conversation. Oh. And I'm so proud and so happy for you. You are exposing certain things that I had no idea about. So I'm sure that there's other adults who have no idea. And this definitely affects our young Black kids. And these are topics that need to be addressed um, at such an early age. So I'm so proud of you and so happy that you have been champion and doing this work so we appreciate you so much thank you so much thank you for having me this is wonderful i really appreciate it and yes thank you everyone thank you no doubt well this has been another episode of the not your enemy speak out session make sure you check us out on our instagram page and our youtube page at the not your enemy brand make sure you like subscribe and follow and we'll see you guys next time bye guys thank you for listening to another episode of the not your enemy speak out session be sure to follow us on Instagram at VisionaryCCB and who is Tim K. Interested in purchasing apparel? Visit VisionaryCCBStore.com. Until next time, step out, step in, and step up.